You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So on the agenda today, at least the plan is, um, I had posed the question on Facebook, which again, get in the Facebook group. You want to be in the loop. You want to participate. Get in the group. I should have put it on the page because I keep plugging that and I keep thinking I got to think of what to do with it. Dude, put it on the page and then share it in the group. But, you know, not the sharpest biscuit in the gravy. But uh, the question that was posed is, because I, I've been getting these this slow trickle, and I, I keep putting it off like, yeah, yeah, I'll look at it, I'll look at it, I'll look at it, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look, I'll look. But the question, or the, the thing that I keep getting is, hey, what do you think about this guy? And I keep putting it off. So I just went in the group and I said, look, give me a list, and I'll look at them. A lot of the guys I've already looked at, but it's worth a second look. And actually, I have changed my mind on some people. I, again, remember, I... I I understand this is not the way that scouting is done, but please understand, I'm not trying to be some kind of a NFL scout. I just want to get a general idea so that I can go into the draft and have an opinion, yes or no. What I did is I watched one game, maybe two if I was having a hard time making a decision, especially if guys play multiple positions and it's like, all right, this this is not a good game to watch. So when I went back through and watched guys for a second time, at the very, I tried to scroll down a little bit because I'm assuming what I did last time is you go to YouTube and you pick the top one. So if I go down to the third or fourth, it's probably one I didn't watch. Because if I was smart, I would have taken note of, hey, you watched this game. But again, not super smart. In about five years, I'm going to be really good at this draft stuff, and you're going to love it. So stay tuned. But anyways, that's what I want to at least start with. I don't know exactly how long that's going to take. But I want to give you my opinions and then maybe sprinkle a little, little, little dash of what I can find via Pro Football Focus and their scouting stuff. Because they have, obviously, massive in-depth... Um, statistics and grades and everything else. And again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If we can get, I think, 21 people, 21 people in the listening audience right now to give $1, the giveaway will be a PFF subscription and you will get their guide, which has, let me look, might as well open it since I'm using it. It's not 150, it's 250. So 250 player profiles. Now I know compared to some other guides, that's maybe not the biggest, I remember talking with uh, Mark Jarvis when we were back doing our, uh, we had a draft podcast for like a month before, I don't know, just like, this isn't working. I just, I don't work well with others, man. I just, it's, I mean, it's, I just, I don't know how to be, you know? I, I, this is me just by myself just rambling. I don't know how to play host and make it entertaining. So I was garbage, and I just told Mark, look, I, I'm not good at this. You got a lot of stuff to do. Go ahead and do your thing. I just want to clarify what I meant there. But even back this was back in like, I don't know, September or October or something. And they had maybe 150. And he's like, that's it? I got more than that already. But as far as in-depth and, and uh, 
the quality of the content and everything, it's probably going to be really hard to beat. So, I mean, it's, it's a 20, what did I say? I think 21 people. Out of the thousands of people listening to my voice, I need 21 to say, all right, look, here's a buck. You begging peasant. <laughs> Stop talking to me about a dollar. That's all I need. I just need 21 people to get angry and annoyed enough to say, here's a dollar. Stop talking to me about it now. And I will until next month. Otherwise, again, I, uh, I won't give it away and I'll give you something else. But that's what's on the agenda. I think that's going to take all day, especially since, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to say it's going to take all day because I, you know, got a late start. This this time change thing. I wasn't tired, so I went to bed late. And technically, it's like getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning instead of 3. It's like, ugh. It's not fun. It's going to take a while to get adjusted to that one. But I'm going to do my best to get all the way through this. No guarantees. With that, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, I'm very excited to tell you that The Athletic is once again advertising on the show. And the reason I'm excited is because my timing is garbage. We had The Athletic on here before and I told you about it and the benefits of it and all that. And then after it went away, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try The Athletic. Because if you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me mention I'm not a big fan of both long-form articles as well as pay-to-play type stuff because everything online is, is free. So why do I want this, especially if it's going to be a lot of words? I don't care about words. I just want bullet points. So this was like what I considered to be my worst nightmare. But there's always those articles that's like, man, that does sound interesting. And so I, I was like, all right, listen, you got Patreon. This is what it's for. Try it. So I did. I really like it. Now, because I'm, I'm a dummy and my timing is terrible, I didn't even get to use my own promo code. But I did have somebody ask once already, what do you think? I told him, I'll try it out, let you know. I reported back that I do indeed like it. And I think the biggest reason is it's just, it's it really, it, it sounds like lip service to just say, well, I mean, but this is better quality. Like, ah, sure it is. Trust me, it is. When you're used to reading the stuff that you see spammed on Facebook every day, which is basically common information with a lot of word filler in it, this is not that. If, if, if you enjoy what I try to do, which is kind of, go deeper into, you know, not that I'm 
somebody that understands as well as a lot of these guys, but you know, the theory behind it, the thought process behind it, to have guys that have been in these high up positions to explain how things work, why things work. It really is quality stuff. And I've already used the athletics several times on the show, whether it's Matt Schneidman's article about Aaron Rodgers to sort of lay into Aaron Rodgers, or even deeper than that. I mean, it's it's every conceivable thing that you could imagine. And again, the, the benefit of it is rather than, because I've, I've worked for, I need to wrap this up. <laughs> I've written for other websites. And when you get paid based on how many clicks you get, the the thing that you want to do is have a really enticing title, but you also want quantity. Get another one out, get another one out, get another one out. So breaking news is awesome. And all you do is you write a little paragraph that just kind of summarizes or expands upon, you know, how can I turn a one sentence of this is what happened into about a paragraph, and then I'll throw it out there and hope it gets a lot of clicks. This is, if you're a writer for The Athletic, you spend all your time on one concept, kind of like what I do with this podcast. I have a concept, and I really, really stretch it out, not for the sake of just fluff, but I really have a lot of thoughts and and content to get out to you. And so anyways, that's what I really have appreciated about The Athletic. But you got guys in the know, you know, guys like Michael Lombardi are, are guys that have been in top positions that are in a great spot to explain stuff to you obviously no ads because you're paying for it and you unlike me will be able to use a promo code to get 40 percent off a yearly subscription to theathletic.com slash overtime that's theathletic.com slash overtime you're going to get 40 percent off just try it out if i'm a liar call me a liar but i'm not a liar i'm telling you the truth all right r- real quick because i i had uh i think it was eric sent me a big thing, and I wasn't ignoring you, Eric. I just wanted to be able to get you on on here to be able to respond. He laid out a lot of really good arguments for why this is a bad contract, just talking very briefly about what I said yesterday. And while I don't want to go point by point, the, the major theme, uh, you know, I, I, I can't verify everything that you said. And for example, things like, well, we started the negotiation at this and it became this. Right, you went into the negotiation with this, you didn't get that because the owners are never going to give you that. That doesn't mean that this is where we started with the negotiation and then we slowly lost things. You went into it demanding this and didn't get it. But anyways, the larger point is, I'm not trying to argue, I mean I was a little bit, that this should be signed. I'm not trying to argue that the players aren't worth more. I'm simply saying two things. One is that it's very unlikely that guys are not going to sign this because it's more beneficial and they're just going to end up losing all the extra benefits that they would have if they don't sign it. Because it's not a matter of what you're worth, like Aaron Rodgers says, and maybe that's unfair, and that's fine. And if he wants to sign, say no, then he can say no. Again, he has that, that ability because he has so much money. If he says, I'm worth more, I'm not going to sell myself for less than I'm worth, and all I'm going to say, that's, that's fine. My, my point was, other guys are not in that position to risk their their livelihoods on the off chance that maybe we'll get more if we hold out. The larger point that I made yesterday that I don't want to be missed is regardless of your opinion on the contract, Aaron Rodgers was wrong for saying what he said. And even if you believe it, as a leader of the Green Bay Packers, you need to keep that to yourself. Even if you believe that people are just too immature and don't care and all they care about is, ooh, I get a little pay bump, that's fine, let's just sign it and move on because I'm don't have critical thinking skills, please keep that to yourself. That's all I'm saying. That was the larger point. If you disagree with me on whether or not they should sign it, that's fine. I think they have to sign it. I think they will lose out. 
if they don't sign it. I think it will be detrimental to the lower-end guys. But the, the again, the bigger point there, Rodgers should not be condemning his entire team and saying that the reason they didn't respond to my email is because they lack critical thinking skills. Very, very poor move um, in terms of leadership. And I don't know much about leadership, but I can tell you right now, probably not the best decision. I'll leave it at that. All right, so let's work our way through this. Now, Connor uh, jumped in here real early and just gave out a bunch of uh, takes, not takes, a bunch of names. He started off with Brandon Ayuk. Now, the, the complicated thing here is the process that I used, I really like because you have everybody fresh in your mind. So the ability to say, I like him more than him is is right there because you can remember vividly what this guy and that guy did. And you say, you know what, I'm going to put him in between this guy, put him under that guy. It's a little harder when you go back, so I'm just kind of trying to look at my notes, look at what I said his weight and his height was and everything else and see if anything really changes. Now, with Ayuk, I I have him still in my top tier. He's at the bottom of my top tier. I don't know. Again, again, it's really hard. I'm not going to move. I mean, I'm not going to move anybody, but I don't think I would move him. I just remember watching him and not being quite as impressed, especially as I watched some other people thinking he's kind of as good. But I think it's fair to say that Brandon Ayuk, as much as I maybe thought he was a great first-round prospect at first, might be more of a, I mean, again, he's kind of like Devontae Adams. And remember, Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. He's a smaller school guy who's clearly got a lot of talent in terms of his route running and doesn't seem to have a ton else. I do like him, though. I like his hands. If we took Ayuk at 30, I would not be disappointed. I would just look at it and say this is a guy that the Packers believe can be another Devontae Adams type of guy kind of slightly worry about always worry about guys that don't have superb athleticism as much as I've said that doesn't matter the the question is you know you're able to kind of plant your foot and get a little bit of separation in college is that going to diminish when you get into the pros is that little bit of twitch that you can beat college people with not quite enough in the pros it's it's a question that's never really going to be answered until they get into the pros which is why you never really know who's going to break out and who's going to just be garbage because the, the professional game is, is so different. And a lot of it has to do with taking your game to the next level, especially the mental processing portion of it. And um, we, we can't really answer that question at this point. But he, he kind of feels safe in terms of just being a natural talent, which seems to convert a little bit better. So I do like him. I mentioned that I like him. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep him where he is for now. Although, you know, I don't know. It's hard to not have bias in these things. Bias both based on what everybody else is saying, but also based on what you know happened in the combine. And I'm trying to not let those impact me too much, unless it should. You know, if we find something out in the combine, I want to reevaluate stuff. But I think I think with Ayuk, I'm, I'm kind of more comfortable in terms of him being sort of a early to mid second round guy that I wouldn't be super upset if we got a 30 and I would be elated if he fell late into the second, which is a possibility. Uh, Connor then talks about Epinesa. I, I got to be honest, I've never liked A.J. Epinesa. There was a time when it was like, is it Chase Young or A.J. Epinesa, these two elite pass rushers? And I remember watching Epinesa and thinking, I understand this is kind of where the NFL is going, these big, strong guys, because I always like the long, lean, fast twitch, which isn't succeeding in the NFL as much anymore. You know, the, the Bosa's are kind of the... I remember when I watched Joey Bosa, and thinking, eh, I don't really like him that much. Because my framework was, you got to be, you know, fast twitch, you know, get around the edge and bend. 
which is great, but I mean, if that's your one move, you're going to fail in the NFL. It's just not good enough. I have come to learn. But with AJ Epinesa, it was a different, whole different level of thing. He has zero bend, zero flexibility. He does have power, but even that is... I, I guess here's my biggest issue with Epinesa. He's too stiff to play on the edge. I don't think he's big and strong enough to play inside. I really don't. I mean, if you see him occasionally on the outside, completely bull rush a guy and he's successful, when he moves inside, I never saw him once do anything impactful. He very commonly gets blown off the ball. And even if it's one of those things where you're you're kind of holding a guy up because he's got long arms and you're sort of two-gapping, you need to be able to release and tackle the guy in front of you. I never once saw him do that. The guy will run right next to him. He'll kind of try to hold his arm out to see if he can do anything, and he can't. Now, there's, there's always the question of, okay, well, why don't we get him to bulk up? Connor even says his last sentence here, he says he could be a choice for a defensive end. Granted, he gains 10 pounds. Maybe. I just have a hard time where I'm at saying that, yes, if he were stronger and bigger, he would be very good at it. Maybe. The problem is I haven't seen it, so I don't know. He, so in my mind, I guess he's, he's more of a tweener, as opposed to one of those guys that you can put outside and inside. He's a guy that I don't want outside or inside. You can technically say Rashawn Gary is similar to that, just from a different perspective. Now, I think he has a completely different athletic skill set so that he can, he does have the tools, obviously, to dominate. But for example, everybody talked about kicking him inside. He, I thought he was terrible inside. He was way too weak. I know most people look at it like, well, his primary thing he was good at in college was defending the run on the outside. So you just figure he's a big, strong run defending outside guy. So you put him inside, he'll be fine. Eh. But when you watch him inside, he lost every time. And that was the same with A.J. Epinesa. Usually, uh, when the snap came off and there was a, that first collision, Epinesa went backwards. Not as much on the edge, but at the edge is different, right? When you get inside, it's all brute force, and it's just push. And, and if it's a run play, I'm going to push you. On the outside, there's a little bit more space. And I know he's not super agile, but tackles have to be a little bit more cautious. If you just dive at a guy, he can just jump around you. There's no jumping around the inside. You got guys to your left and to your right. You got a, a on the other side. You got a tackle. You got a center, and then the guard in front of you. There's no mobility. There's no way to just jump to the side. Hi, you missed me. There is no side. There's a dude standing there. It's brute force, and he just he just loses. So I wanted that to be something that I liked. I wanted to watch that and say, yeah, I think that would be a good idea because he is sort of a Dean Lowry type. I think he fits that mold or DeForest Buckner or whatever. And and if if the Packers think he can do it and they take him. I'll trust that that's going to be a great decision. I'm just saying based on the small sample size that I watched, I just don't like it. I don't like it. He's not athletic enough to be outside. He's not strong enough to be inside. I'm just not a fan. He's a tweener, and tweeners are just not good football players. Uh, Third, he mentioned linebacker Willie Gay Jr. If you're going to try to watch him on YouTube, make sure you type in the junior portion. Do not just type in Willie Gay. Go ahead and trust me on that one. So I actually see... This is one of those things when I did this, I really liked portions, and I, I put him pretty low. And I think if I were to redo this board, I would put him quite a bit higher. I was actually way lower on him than most people. I, I kind of saw him as a version of Shaquille Quarterman. The, the difference is I put Shaquille Quarterman higher. Most people see Shaquille Quarterman as a lesser Willie Gay. Now, he did run a 4-4, which Connor mentioned, which kind of confirms what I said. He, he looks like a bigger dude. He's not that big. He's... 235, which is pretty standard, but I had mentioned in my notes, he looks like he's got some serious wheels, and he does. I think the biggest problem I have with Willie Gay, though, is although it's one of those things where the tools seem to be there, right? He's really fast. He just doesn't know what to do with it. He always runs to the right spot, but he doesn't do anything. I think I watched two games of Willie Gay. I don't know if I watched him make a single tackle. So I come across guys like this all the time where 
you see athletic traits all over the field. He's running. He's crazy. He's wild. Malik McDowell was sort of the prototype. He was an, uh, he's kind of like AJ Epinesa, I guess. He's more of an inside guy, but tall, long, super strong, super destructive. He dominated everybody that was in front of him. He was wild. He was a wrecking ball, but he never actually accomplished anything. And that's what always kind of turned me off to him. I didn't know what to say. I mean, do I love him for being a wrecking ball or do I dislike his lack of efficiency? And with Willie Gay, you can see, it's one of those things where you would draft him because of the tools, but you worry about him because he just his his processing upstairs as he's doing stuff is just not there. He'll fly through a hole and just stand there and look around like, now what do I do? Like, I, I got through the hole really fast. I don't know what to do, though. So that kind of turned me off. But I, I again, if I were to do this again, I would at least probably put him, I put him below Joe Batchy and Evan Weaver. I'll probably put him higher just because he's he is what the NFL is looking for. So he's on he's on my second tier, but he's at the the lowest possible position in my second tier. But again, I, at four four speed, at well, I don't know what he actually measured in, in, and I don't feel like looking it up because we're running out of time already. Point is, I really do like him, and he says I'm assuming he's not great in coverage. You know what? I completely forgot. I forgot the PFF thing. I'm going so fast. Let me give you an answer to that. Here's what PFF had to say about him. First of all, coverage ability is his number one attribute, and I, I you know he didn't look. I didn't see him do a lot of it but he definitely looked pretty solid. He has a 90 overall coverage grade. His biggest issue is run defense, which was a 70, which isn't bad, but you also have to figure this is college, and and college stats and grades are much different than pros, right? A lot of the guys going into the NFL are going into the NFL because they're the best of the best, so they're going to have great college stats. So take it with a grain of salt, but the bottom line is his main attribute is coverage. Um, It should also be noted that he has some off-the-field concerns that have to be vetted, which could also cause him to fall. But he's at least talented enough that it, there were snaps where he lined up in the slot. Not a huge percentage, but decent. I mean, roughly 10% of his snaps were actually in the slot. But I, again, the, the the issue that I have is the fact that it's so hard to find a linebacker that can cover and play the run. I think with Willie Gay, you're getting a guy that has the upside to potentially be really good in coverage. Again, great speed and all that stuff. I just worry about his ability to play the run. I worry about his ability to get off blocks. You know, I mean, as far as shooting the gap and tackling people, I mean, he, I don't want him to be Oren Burks. We know Oren Burks occasionally can make that big splash play tackling somebody in the backfield because he's got a lot of speed, and if there's an open hole, he can run through it really fast. The problem is, in the NFL, you're, bar- you're very rarely going to just be an un- unaccounted-for guy. right? They're going to account for you. So having an unaccounted-for play where they're just assuming you can't get there in time or some kind of a breakdown in assignment or whatever, and so you can just run through the hole, it's super rare. And so your ability to actually beat guards and tackles or whoever's assigned to block you and make a tackle is a separate issue. So, I, I, again, I would probably bump him up a little bit, but I still have him relatively low because he just he's, he, doesn't, he doesn't close. Not a closer. Uh, A.J. Epinesa, really quickly, they compared him to Trey Flowers, which kind of makes sense. Obviously, and, and this is the thing, too. I, somebody like me, I come out and I say, look, he's not very good. I don't like him off the edge. And they're going to point out, dude, he had 13 sacks, 14 hits, and 31 hurries. How could you not like him off the edge? I, I Look, I, I don't really care about stats. I just care about what you're doing that I'm watching. And a lot of times I'm wrong, right? He must be doing something right in order to be able to put up these numbers. But I think too many times people are just looking at numbers and not actually watching them play. So they see a guy with 13 sacks, 14 hits, and 31 hurries. And they're saying he's a great pass rusher. But again, the problem is you can be a big, strong, stiff guy that just pushes people out of your way to go get to the quarterback and win in the college game. Just like you can be a speed bend guy and win in, in the in the college game. But you have to be able to do more than one thing when you get to college. And one of the biggest things is 
to be fast enough to threaten to the outside, but be strong enough to be able to convert speed to power, to be able to, you know, do different pass rush moves. And if you can just do one, the point is you go up against a Brian Balaga or a David Bakhtiari and you say, I'm just going to muscle you out of the way. It's not going to happen. The only way that works is if you, you know, feign to the outside so that you overextend the, the tackle, right? He's reaching, he's trying to extend his body and he's off balance. And then you come into his chest and you drive him backwards. Nobody's going to fall for it if you're AJ Epinesa. You try to pretend like you're going outside, and he's going to be like, okay, go for it, dude. I'm, I'm just going to hang out here, because even if you are going outside, I'm going to be able to get to you. Not to say it's going to be easy to hold him off, because he is very strong, but, I mean, this is a different caliber of thing when you get into the NFL. And picking on offensive tackles, the caliber of which are in the NFL, best of luck to you. That, I'm just saying that's my concern. But they gave him an 87 pass rush grade, 76 run defense grade. Pass rush win rate of 17.5, which, again, in the NFL, that's a great number. In college, it's pretty good. Right? I mean, that's basically what uh, it's basically what Zadarius did in the pros. So no matter what your pass rush win rate was in college, it's going to plummet. Right? Last year, we had several guys that were pretty much every top-tier pass rusher, and it was a very stacked class, was at least 15%. That was the low end for, for a pass rusher that was going to be drafted early and up into the 20s, which is almost impossible in the pros, but in, again, in college, if you're a super dominant pass rusher, there you go, you can get into the 20s. Just as a comparison, Chase Young, 27.2%, which is pretty crazy even for college. But just to show you, it's a completely different scale in college. Because 17 in the pros is like, you're, you're probably the best or second best, or at least third best in the NFL if you have a 17% win rate. In college, it's just kind of meh. But uh, Chase Young, by the way, nobody asked. 96.5 pass rush grade. Never seen that before. 95.9 third down grade. 77.5 run stop grade, which is the biggest concern. 27.2 pass rush win rate, which means 27.2% of the time you're beating the guy in front of you. Guy's a freak. And then quickly, because I forgot, uh, Brandon Ayuk is compared to Pierre Garçon. The note on him, Ayuk is one of the most explosive wideouts in an incredibly deep class. The explosiveness has already translated to his route running and after the catchability at Arizona State. You need a big play threat, Ayuk. Ayuk is your man. And he ran at a 4-5 flat, which isn't bad. I mean, he's, he's not a burner, but he was never expected to be. The point is, though, he's not slow. So I don't really know what the expectations for him were. But for, for me personally, I, I, I think 4-5 is a pretty good time. All right, moving on now. Robert asked about Ezra Cleveland. Ezra grew on me as I watched him. At first, I watched him, and the guy was just... First of all, he looks dopey. He he kind of seems like a guy that's so big and so strong. You know, the game is just easy for him, which is a good thing. But sometimes, like, he'll... He, he kind of just seems like he's standing there, like this is boring to him. Right? He'll just kind of stand upright and just kind of stand and look around if his job is done. He just he just kind of seems goofy, like a giant ogre. But the, the biggest problem I had is watching him early on is that he... he as far as strength, he got blown off pretty relatively easily but I think that's a technique thing because as I watched him later and later he was stronger than everybody there were some big guys going up against him and again he just looks like he's just standing there like this is just too easy for me but I I do think if especially with like a bull rush if people are able to get inside of his chest he got knocked straight back and so my biggest concern is the the one thing that kept jumping up into my mind is uh Jason Spriggs he's 6'6 311 so he's really tall really lean Again, he at times he looks super dominant, but he plays for Boise State, so this is a low competition kind of a deal. So I actually loved him against the run most of the time, especially if he's blocking down, taking out guards and stuff. He just dominated, getting up to the next level. He looked really solid. 
I think he's got a decent enough athleticism to be able to pull it off as far as doing what the Packers want a guy to do. I just worry about him being somebody that can play for Boise State, be relatively athletic, and be able to overpower the guys that are there, but not super technically sound. That's going to come into the NFL, go up against Khalil Mack at right tackle, and just get literally knocked off his feet. If anything, Ezra Cleveland is a guy the Packers should draft later. I know there's some talk about him going early. Sometimes people talking about as early as the first round. PFF has him as a fourth round grade, 103rd overall on their board. But if we're going to take him, I'd like him to be able to sit for a while, kind of like we did with Spriggs, I guess. Let him be Spriggs 2.0. But we'd have to bring back Balaga or Valdir to actually be the starter and then hope that we can build up Ezra Cleveland to be something uh, legitimate. That was just my impression. And again, he grew on me. When I first watched him, I'm like, dude, this guy is just getting dominated. But later, and, and one of the things I like to do for a lot of positions is watch the other guy. So when I'm watching edge rushers, I like to watch the tackle because sometimes it seems like they're losing, but this tackle is just getting wrecked. And so when I was watching Ezra Cleveland, I started watching the other guy, and some of these guys are working really hard to try to do stuff, and and it's having almost no impact. Like, again, he's just standing there, like, pushing them, like like you're playing against your brother who's, you know, you're 12 and they're 8. You're bigger, you're stronger, and it's like, this is dumb. This is boring me. I'm going to keep doing it, though, because, you know, I'm, I'm your older brother, and that's what I do embarrass you and make you feel smaller but um yeah this is boring so i i guess i just have concerns about him he's fun to watch i, I like him and you can he definitely stands out especially you know again against the run because he's just a wrecking ball if he's blocking down into guards who aren't expecting it from the side they just go get erased off the map and there's usually when you run in that direction he he blows open a hole every time again though that's this isn't the pros this is boise state uh, his nfl comparison by the way was matt khalil so like him don't super love him and again the, the not again the complication I have with tackles that I haven't watched the other tackles yet. I was going to watch Andrew Thomas after just to get a comparison, but uh, limited time, so I did not. I can already tell you right now we're not getting through this whole list, but that's all right. To be continued. Next up, uh, Dalton asked about Jordan Love and Kenneth Murray. So Kenneth Murray, I've already talked about. What I really like about Kenneth Murray is that he may not exactly be as athletic or as athletically gifted, although you know I know the 40 time was exactly the same. He doesn't look quite as clean and fluid as Patrick Queen, but I love that he's got a little bit more of an edge. He's a much more violent player. He wants to rip your head off every single play. So for that reason, I like Kenneth Murray a little more, even though I don't think he's quite as good of a football player. And he kind of has that wild and reckless thing, which always makes me nervous. But I I have a thing for linebackers that are violent. It's why I like the Joe Batchies and Evan Weavers, because even though I know they're probably not going to succeed in the NFL, because the NFL is moving in a direction of smaller, leaner cover guys, I just like a guy that's going to punch you in the mouth. I, I can't stand watching a linebacker just get blown off the ball. It just... It's like, dude, that is that is at the heart of being a linebacker. You need to be strong and an enforcer. You have to have at least that mentality. And Kenneth Murray, although he's not the biggest and strongest guy and, and you know, whatever, he's got that dog mentality. This is my territory. You dare to come into the middle of the field, I'm going to make you pay for it. I really like Kenneth Murray. Again, he's got the athleticism you want in an NFL prospect, but he's still got that violent mean streak in him. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Kenneth Murray. Jordan Love, I did get a chance to watch, and I understand the comparisons to Mahomes. I get it, but I I, I couldn't help the more I watched him thinking, I wonder if he's more of a Trubisky than a Mahomes. He's got a decent amount of athleticism, but I came, after time, I came to realize that his, 
every single time the, the ball was snapped, I just wanted him to run. Because if he made a big play, it was going to be with his legs. And he also, for the most part, the only time he threw the ball was when the prospect was wide open. And even then, the ball was not really on target again. I watched one game, so bear with me. But there were some throws that were just like, what in the world was that? You know, he's got guys that are wide open. He's not seeing them. He's got another guy that's coming across. And it's, I mean, it's it's not that hard of a throw. Just get it over these guys because he's going across the middle. And if you just throw it up and over the two players that are here, the two defenders, and get it, you know, kind of out and away from them, it's, it's he's wide open. For, for a quarterback, college, NFL, whatever, he's wide open. And he doesn't, he not only doesn't get it past the second guy, he throws it right to the first guy. So I, I don't even know if this would have gotten to the wide receiver. It was such a shallow ball. So I, that, that would be my biggest concern with Jordan Love. Now, of course, you could say, well, okay, but you take those tools, you sit them behind Aaron Rodgers, what could he become? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Maybe he could become a Mahomes type of guy because I know Mahomes wasn't the cleanest prospect in college. He sat uh, under Andy Reid and Alex Smith and, and probably got a little bit refined and he's in a good system and all that. And it just turned into what we see today, which is, let's face it, probably arguably the best quarterback in football right now. So maybe. I'm, I'm not mad at anybody liking Jordan Love. I'm just saying I watched him, and I, I felt more Trubisky than than uh, Mahomes. Flashes of good, flashes of athleticism, wild, crazy stuff at times, but then just just a what in the world. You know, drive killing. Like You were the one that killed this drive. You're, he wasn't helping anything. Again, if a guy's wide open, he threw it to him, big deal. Anybody can do that. So I, you know, I'm just not a super huge big giant fan and again i haven't watched the quarterbacks but i i generally watch the quarterback the first round guys every year i liked trubisky i think a little bit more i liked mayfield more i liked rosen more i liked a lot of these guys a lot more than jordan love just because he scares me to death i mean we see that all the time in the nfl guys that are just you know they, they seem decent and they get you halfway down the field and then they just kill the drive because of incompetence right that that was an air ball that one was in the dirt and then I'm not seeing guys and they get sacked. And it's like, that was three times in a row where you were just a dummy. And now we lost the ball. So, you know, if, if Jordan Love's going to sit, cool. Which he would in Green Bay. But again, just based on what I'm watching, I'm not super enamored with Jordan Love. As far as what PFF has to say, they do have him as the fifth uh, ranked quarterback. Which is actually low compared to what most people say. He's number 75 overall on the big board and a third round projection. So overall... PFF isn't a huge fan. 6'4", 220 is what they had him listed at. I don't know what he actually clocked in at. But here is their quote on him. Love personifies the boomer bust prospect, which is pretty much what I said. While we fully endorse taking shots at the quarterback position, we can't endorse Love too highly with the egregious on-field inconsistency, which, again, I, I didn't read this prior to. That was sort of my takeaway. And, again, it just concerned because that that's Trubisky. I mean, Trubisky has flashes of being awesome. Some of those deep shots down the right hash, just putting it right in the bucket, it's like, dude, you get scared because it's like, dude, what if that's going to be him from now on? What if he really is that? And he, he'll he do that for, for a quarter of the game, half the game. But it's the half that's bad that ruins everything. But uh, they give him a 76 passing grade. An 80, his, his highest grade was his intermediate throws. But And that was the other thing. Again, a lot of his throws were just short to intermediate to the guy that's open. And I'm talking wide open. And again, half the time... I might even be confusing with Jalen Hurts a little bit. I shouldn't say that so definitively. But I know there weren't a lot of super great throws that I saw. But I I do think that a couple of my comments were meant for Jalen Hurts now that I think about it. Especially the taking off and run being the only thing he did well. That was Jalen Hurts. But uh, much less efficient with the deep ball. Not that he can't do it. He's got a great arm. I, I love how the ball comes out. It's one of those things where... Based on looking at his arm, it feels like it shouldn't come out that hot, but it just does. I mean, Lamar Jackson had something similar, although Lamar Jackson had much more of a cannon. I loved watching him play 
because of his arm, and of course taking off too, but that guy just, it reminded me of Michael Vick, the way it just flicked off his wrist, it was ridiculous. But, I mean, again, Jordan Love has a lot of tools. They said uh, one of the best in his class at avoiding sacks. He converted pressure to sack only 15.9%. So staying clean, avoiding sacks, making plays, he's got all that. But you just worry, because can he overcome the negative? If he can, you're looking at a potential Pat Mahomes lookalike. If he can't, he's a Mitch Trubisky lookalike. I'm going to stop saying that same thing over and over again now. And then for Kenneth Murray, again, they had him fifth, so obviously that's a lot lower than most people have him. They comped him to Michael Kendrick. Their quote on him was, Murray's success at the next level is going to rely heavily on usage. He's not Mr. Do-It-All. He's a hunter in the middle of the field who will limit yards after the catch and make plays in the opposing backfield. So they gave him an 80 overall coverage grade. They hated him against the run. They gave him a 59.8, which again, this is college. This is a below average grade. They also weren't a huge fan of his ability to rush the passer. Um, but I, I really think, and what they had said here, one of the pros is he looked like a different player down the stretch in 2019. The processing sped up a ton, which is a big thing, especially for linebackers. You have to, I mean, what, what we always hear about football players is if you're, if you're thinking you're losing, you have to just know. It has to become habit. And that's one of the things I love about Patrick Queen is he sees the, the offensive line move, and the second he sees it, he just knows what to do, and he takes off like a can. Again, Kenneth Murray does make me a little bit more nervous because he doesn't seem as refined. I just like his mentality and his attitude, and he has the athleticism to back it all up. So I'm a big fan, but um, let me just say if he slips into the second round and somehow we were able to get him, I wouldn't mind because they do have him as a second-round prospect. In fact, they have him number 52 on the big board, which would make him within striking distance. I doubt he'll ever fall that far. He probably won't even make it to 30, but, you know, just saying. PFF kind of has him in that 60-ish range. Todd put together a massive list. I don't have time to do that whole list, so I'm going to skip over Todd for now and then get to Jalen Hurts. And again, I, I mistakenly used some of the, So the biggest thing with Jalen Hurts, again, another guy that was not throwing to anybody that wasn't wide open, and even half of those throws, you got a guy that's open down the field, you know, seven yards down the field, and he throws it so that the guy has to jump in the air to catch it. Don't do that. That's the only, That's how you're going to ensure that he doesn't get a single yard more. But yeah, the, the biggest issue I have with Jalen Hurts is the fact that the only time I liked him is when he ran. I just wanted him to run all the time. I, and re- what I really wanted to see was him be able to make a play as the quarterback, because that's what you want. You want a guy that's going to make something happen. I didn't see him make anything happen. Right? Anybody can throw to a wide-open guy. Anybody with athleticism can run. Right? He can run because he's fast, and even that was not overly impressive. I mean, I know that he's fast, but just in terms of utilizing it properly, he just seemed kind of confused, like, I don't know what to do kind of thing, and it, just, it didn't look as clean, right? You know, again, Lamar Jackson, when he took off, it, it it looked like he was just running, but his ability to just go in the right direction and make the right moves so that he was able to get a lot of yards more than you would expect was very impressive. Plus, he's just blazing fast. So I, I just overall was not super enamored with Jalen Hurts. I understand a lot of people like that he's multi-talented. I generally am worried about that more so than some people. Some people like, you know, you play wide receiver and running back. I'm not going to give you credit for that unless I really like both attributes. And I I just, I don't see the Packers utilizing that a bunch. And and I can't even imagine, you know, pulling Aaron Rodgers in a situation or trying to do something dumb like splitting him out, which would never happen. And if it did, I would riot putting Rodgers in a dangerous, vulnerable position like that, where he's just going to get laid out to put in Jalen Hurts on like a third down to try to run him. And when that fails, just watch how everybody's going to lose it. Watch how Rodgers throws a fit because we took it out of his hands in a critical situation. I just, they're just not going to do that. So all the extra special stuff that people really like that maybe we could do, I don't want to do it. 
And then if you talk about, well, we could maybe split them out. Okay, well, then I have to judge them as a wide receiver. And as far as the wide receivers go, I don't really like them that much. So <laughs> there's just, again, it's one of those things where I understand that there's a lot of things that you can do. But if you're not super great at any of them, it just means you're not super great at anything. It doesn't mean you're good at everything. And I'm not going to give you credit for all these things that you can do. So, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't really see anything that, that I loved about it. Especially, again, the quarterbacking aspect of it, which is the biggest thing that I don't like about prospects that can run is how we talk about how fast they are and athletic and they have all these extra attributes. Dude, if you're a quarterback, the core thing you need to be able to do is be a quarterback. Again, with Lam- I liked Lamar because he looked really impressive as a quarterback. I was just worried that he wants to take off and run all the time. He had a great arm. I just worried about that and his ability to stay healthy, because if he takes too many hits, he's not going to have a long career. But I never really questioned whether or not the guy had a good arm. I do question Jalen Hurts. Um, Tyler asked about wide receiver out of Minnesota, Tyler Johnson. And this has got to be, if I were to redo wide receiver, this is one of the ones that moved up the most. When I watched him, I compared him to Geronimo Allison. Now, he didn't run in the 40, so I don't really know. I wanted to look, because a couple times he looked like he had some pretty good speed. But I just didn't see anything special. When I went back, and again, I picked a different game. I scrolled down a little bit, picked a different one. His route running looked crisp. Like, he looked really, really smooth. I mean, he was kind of doing Ayuk-type stuff. So I, I, I can't exactly say where I would want to put him if I were to move him. Because, again, I, I didn't even want to necessarily do that. But I actually had Tyler Johnson in the third tier, which for wide receivers was the was a sort of like the rest. In other words, I'd put him with the... Geronimo's, the MVS's, the Equinemius's, the guys that are serviceable, but probably not a legit number two. I would probably put him into the possible number two. I, I definitely would put him in the possible number two category. In fact, I know for a fact, I guess I don't know that. I don't know where I would put him, but he would definitely move up into the next tier. Um, I never understood the Tyler Johnson love at first, but this last game that I watched, which is probably a big part of the reason why some people are obsessed with prospects other people don't super like, it depends which games you watch. And if you watch a bunch of games, you can obviously have a better opinion of somebody. But yeah, that absolutely changed my opinion of him. Um, it would, he, he looked really solid. Um, looking at the last two prospects via PFF, Jalen Hurts, they have the 10th uh, quarterback on their list. So out of their list of 10, they have Joe Burrow, then Tua, then Herbert. Then they have Fromm, then Love, then Gordon, then Eason, then Josh Love out of San Jose State, then Cole McDonald, then Jalen Hurts. So they don't super like him. I don't really disagree with that. I, I can't say I would put him above anybody else because I didn't watch quarterback. But Jalen Hurts is not uh, not my favorite. And and Love is, again, fifth behind. They have Love behind Fromm, just to give you an idea of what they think of Love. But their blurb on Hurts is, Hurts's slow decision-making throughout his career is terrifying when projecting to the NFL. He's played behind some of the best offensive line situations in college football, and when that's not the case in the NFL, things could get ugly. Another very fair point. They comped him to Tyrod Taylor. They said he has running back-esque ability in the uh, in the run game, I guess. I don't know. That sentence doesn't make a lot of sense. I know that's a very controversial thing to say, which I don't know why complimenting somebody is a controversial thing, but apparently it is. You're not allowed to say that he's very good as a runner. Some compliments are hateful, I guess. I don't know. They do say another positive. He has one of the most accurate throwers at the intermediate level, so that's cool. Low turnover-worthy play rate, which kind of jives with what I said about how he just seems to want to throw to the open guy. As far as negatives, he's late to a bunch of his throws. The ball floats on him. Arm strength is only adequate. Slow wind-up. He's had a ridiculous amount of talent at Oklahoma and Alabama. So, 
you would expect him to have much better production. And then they said he has a bad habit of breaking a clean pocket, which is a really bad habit. He's got to learn to play within a pocket. I understand the ability to break contain when it's necessary to be able to make plays on the run, but you have to be able to learn how to stay in the pocket, and he just doesn't want to do that. He just wants to run to the side all the time. That will not work. Uh, Tyler Johnson is not ranked, which means he's outside of their top 10. That doesn't even, I guess it does make sense. He's number 47 on the big board, though, because apparently they have uh, 10 within the top 47 because it's a ridiculous class. So he's actually ranked really high. They have him as a second-round prospect, which, again, I would have never agreed with having my first assessment. But as a second assessment, I'm, I'm on board with it. To the extent that if we took him in the second round as our pick, I don't even think I'd be mad about it. Uh, one of the cool things about him is that he's progressed. His 2017 overall grade was a 76, 2018 was an 89, 2019 was a 91. He's gotten better every year. His stats followed that. Seven touchdowns, 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 600 yards, 1,100 yards, 1,300 yards. He just keeps getting better. They're a little blurb on him. Johnson may not wow with his speed or burst, but no testing number is going to capture the way he subtly sets up defenders snap after snap to get himself open. Some NFL team is going to get a heck of a route runner. Again, this is what I saw in the second. I don't know I don't know what game I watched the first time, but it was v- apparently a very boring game. Or he was just going up against a lockdown corner. I don't know what the situation was. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was night and day because I, there's been a lot of love for Tyler Johnson. I remember watching it just thinking, why? I don't get it. But, um, yeah, I was definitely impressed. Oh, check this out. His comp, Devontae Adams. So there you go. And, and again... I don't even disagree. I'm not saying he's as good as Devontae, but Devontae wasn't even as good as Devontae. Go watch Devontae back in, what was he, Fresno State or whatever. I went back to watch him in college because I'm like, I want to know what this gold standard is. I watch him and I'm like, I don't... But again, that's probably I watched the Tyler Johnson game where he doesn't look that impressive. And then he's got other games where he looks more like Devontae Adams. Uh, the, the one issue is he does have drop concerns. And when I watched that second game, I think the first time he got thrown to, he dropped it. So I remember thinking, dude, I'm going to hate this guy all over again. No, hate is the wrong word, but I'm, it's hyperbole, all right? He's got to clean that up. And and, and the, the other thing that's scary, though, if you were to do a high-low comparison, the high end is Devontae Adams. Let's also remember, we drafted a guy that was seen as a clean route runner that had issues with drops by the name of Jamon Moore. So that is that is the concern, and that's why you do worry about that stuff. You know, can he take his route running to the next level? Is the mental processing portion there? Can we get the hands going? Because if he doesn't get the mental processing up and his hands don't improve, especially when Aaron Rodgers is throwing to you, which is going to be much more about timing, you know, getting your eyes, getting your hands, and it's probably going to have a little bit more heat on it, he's going to be another Jamon Moore. So that's that's where this vetting comes into in handy for the coaches. And especially with these coaches, they need to be talking to wide receivers to check the mental aspect of this. Because as much as it, you think it probably doesn't matter and it super doesn't matter for everybody, the Packers have had problems with that, with guys that just don't seem to be able to absorb the playbook. And uh, I think, you know, they put a lot of effort into trying to do that with linebackers, trying to get very intelligent linebackers because they have to process a lot. I think maybe we should take a little bit of a closer look at that for wide receiver. Not that you can ever fully know, but at least try to know. You know, if you're going to have a meeting with them, run through as much as you can to see if the mental processing portion is there. But uh, some of his stats, his receiving grade was a 92.2, which is incredible. Yards per route run, 3.64, which is extremely high. His contested catch rate, 66.7, which is very high. His deep grade was a 94.9. And again, for a guy that's not a burner, similar to Devontae Adams, you don't expect... This is the other reason why speed is a little bit overrated. You got guys that are blazing fast that can't get open deep, and you got guys like Devontae Adams running in the 4-5 that is able to get behind people. And a lot of it is just, it's it's what you do with your feet, right? Your feet, your head, your shoulders. You get a guy looking one way, you, you, you wait for his body to do one thing, and then 
because they're in such a terrible position, their ability to catch up with you as you run past them. Because remember, we're talking about fractions, literally fractions of a second. And so being out of position, you know, would you rather have a Devontae, who is a 4-5 guy, that can get a guy out of position and stumbling going the wrong direction that runs in the 4-2s? Or would you rather have a 4-3 guy and a 4-4 guy sprinting down the field together? Because there's not going to be that much separation when we're talking 20 yards down the field, especially with safety help. Point is, same with linebacker, right? As much as I, I love a guy with 4-4 speed at linebacker, and I do, if the mental processing portion isn't there and it takes you two seconds longer to figure out what's going on, you lost. I don't care if you run 4-2. That's too long, right? You can't compensate for two seconds of processing with two-tenths of a second of speed. Over 40 yards, by the way, and we're talking about about, about 10 yards. So the, so the difference in straight line speed is, is, is negligible over 5 to 10 yards of where you're supposed to go when it takes you a second or two longer than somebody else to process it. Anyways, I'm going to have to cut it there. We're, this is taking a long time. This is fun, though. I enjoy doing this. Again, PFF subscription up for grabs if we can get 21 more people. I think that's 21, unofficial number. Um, We'll do more of these. I don't know if I want to do it tomorrow because I don't want to do back-to-back, but we will do more. So if you see the post or if you want to get your guy in there, uh, go ahead and do it. Maybe we'll just do like a couple prospects a day or something so we can kind of string this along. And I completely forgot a second break. So there you go. we got a one-breaker today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.